Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Green and White Soapbox, the show for people and by people discussing, debating and doing all things young, gifted and black, telling our stories and hearing our voices. The space for being seen and being heard. I am Letohonolo Musue and I am joined today by my lovely, brilliant and dynamic co-host Tsikofatso Tornado T Maseme I just made that up today just for the record I noticed and we have a great session lined up for today so say hello T and tell everyone uh, who's listening what we have in store for them today Hi everyone, I'm just so amazed, you always have these names for me, I don't know when you have the time to make them up but Forever ready, forever ready <laughs> I see, I see Alright, yeah, so we have a lot in store for all our listeners today It has been like 527 days since South Africa has been in lockdown as a result of the threat brought upon our lives by the COVID-19 pandemic Wearing of masks and or face shields and social distancing has become the new way of affection and our n- new norm it is over a year and yet we are, we still find ourselves still battling the pandemic. But unlike a few months ago, today we have a little bit of hope in us, you know, through the introduction of the vaccine that's here to help us fight the, the virus. Yet with this, there still remains so much information around us, so so much uncertainty and it can be a bit overwhelming. With all that being said, we have decided to dedicate today's show to the power of information, the COVID-19 vaccine story. Today's episode is not to force anyone into getting vaccinated, not at all, but it's all about assisting you in making a conscious decision with regards to the vaccine. And to help us with that, we have an amazing special guest who happens to be female. Yes, yes, yes. Black girl magic. Black girl magic. (laughs) Who bring us into light as we discuss the vaccination, vaccination uncertainty and any vaccine efficacies and many more. And so with that being said, in the spirit of black girl magic, help me introduce, make some noise, clap your hands, do whatever it is that you need to do for our special guest Woo-hoo! who happens to be an experienced pediatrician, a infectious diseases specialist, a Wits University clinical lecturer based in the public health sector at the biggest Hospital in Southern Africa, Chris Hani Baragwanath Academic Hospital. She also is currently a PhD fellow at Vids Vida since January 2020, with her research topic being, and wait for this, this is some heavy English also. <laughs> we got to take this step by step. Epidemiology of community and hospital acquired invasive infections in young infants. Above all else, she's a wife, a mother, and a child health advocate. This is the true manifestation of black girl magic. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone, everywhere, please help us welcome Dr. Fiki Lesynthia Mabena. Welcome, Doc. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Doc. That's a heavy intro, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us. We truly do appreciate this, and we really just are looking forward to having this chat about something that's so important, I know, mm. to your 
heart and calling because as much as this is your profession we do believe in the conversations that we've had that this is your calling and this is your ministry so without any further ado let's get straight into it are you ready to show let's do this so we have a mouth full of things to get out there this pandemic it's been 571 Mm. days get day 571 Mm. of 21 Mm. of lockdown and so we've heard so many different stories we've heard so many different things but what's most important now is that we have a glimmer of hope and that is the vaccine but there's still so much uncertainty there's so much that we're not aware of and the first thing like every other thing it's building a foundation and getting an understanding of things so first things first what is vaccination why is it important and you know especially in the context of this pandemic and what is the difference between a vaccine and a cure for a disease or virus okay so i think vaccines are one of the most important healthcare interventions that mankind has come up with they are a way they are in in you know, in, in short, vaccines are a form of prevention. They are a preventative measure. So we've all heard, and it sounds very cliche, but we have all know v- prevention is better than cure. Mm. I mean, I think in this disease and in many other diseases, that still holds true. And really, that's why vaccines are important is because they are a way of preventing. So what vaccines are really, they are, um, and there's a myriad of ways, you know, in which vaccines are produced but what they really do in essence is they trick the body so a vaccine is a way of tell of tricking the body into thinking it has already come into contact with a particular virus or bacteria and then by so doing it masters and it creates a form of protection that the body will now know keep in its memory so that whenever the body gets presented now with the actual virus or, or, or bacteria that it acts as if it's seen it before and then it masters up all those protective qualities, be they, you know, we know about antibodies, but there's so much more in immunology. There's so much more that, you know, the cell-mediated immunity, there's the immunoglobulins, which are antibodies. So there's a lot. It, it's not as simple as I know we always taught about soldiers that, you know, come in and yeah. they protect. <laughs> and that's a simplistic, and it's a good way of explaining because, you know, that's something that a lot of people have a concept of. But it really is just more than one way you know of 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 protection but that the body masters up and is able to remember i think the the big thing about immunity that gets created is the memory is that the body has a memory of of this virus or bacteria such that when it does get presented then it can uh, fight it as if it's seen it before oh wow that's so that's what vaccines are they are a a form of prevention and a cure is something that usually comes after the fact right Mm -hmm. and and i mean i'll make an example with something that i think a lot of people know about tb for example we've got vaccine a vaccine against tb this vaccine unfortunately doesn't work as well for adults and preventing against you know tb as we know it pulmonary tb uh, but it is very good at preventing children from getting a kind of disseminated tb which is Mm. a really bad tb that can infect the brain and other organs of the body and when children get this vaccine they really are protected against that so a cure would be then giving treatment for tb which is what which is six months, for example, worth of medication. So we always think a cure is what we want, you know, and, and, and we do in a lot of ways it helps us. But a cure isn't as simple always as, you know, I do this and then I'm fine. It's always it's sometimes a big, long process. And sometimes by the time you are getting a cure, you've had 
you know, repercussions from the illness in itself. You know, if you get pulmonary TB, you can get your lungs hurt. Yes, you can get cured, but you might never recover that part of your lung, you know. So cures are there and we love them, but they are not the end all and be all. And ultimately, we want to prevent people from getting diseases rather than just cure them. So in essence, cliche as it sounds, prevention is better than cure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, and I think, I mean, something like this that we're doing now is also, um, you know, public health is about preventative medicine. It's about teaching people about how to do things right, exercise, eating right. All of those are ways of preventing illnesses, right? Yeah. You want to do the right things initially to prevent yourself from getting sick and having to cure them. Because cure also comes with costs. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it comes with time. It comes with so many other things. Right. So you want to prevent all of those things. It comes with time away from work, time away from school. You know, so you do you want to prevent um, illnesses rather than have to cure them. Yes. When they are there, ultimately, you do want to cure them. But prevention is key. That is that is amazing. It's and a long so it's a long one, but it's definitely it's 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 better than I think it's the greatest answer that I know for myself, even as someone who's been vaccinated, you still have all these questions that linger. So this is absolutely, absolutely amazing. And the beautiful thing is that you weren't superfluous about it. So thank you for that as well. So now we we understand that then there's an element because especially because we live in a capitalistic world and you know everything has a system everything has a place and of course this is a story all on its own for another day mm -hmm. but basically what then we want to find out or what i'd like to know certainly and i know a lot of other people would like to know because it builds into this notion of skepticism is it might be a lengthy one mm -hmm. but what is the general process that is undertaken for a vaccine to be created to be put on the market who determines what and basically who writes the rules because you know we receive things mm -hmm. once we have heard them or once they've been packaged but who writes the rules we mm -hmm. just accept as sheep i guess but who writes the rules yeah so i mean your first statement is correct in that we really are we we i read a quote recently that said we are all puppets but some puppets are away of the strings <laughs> so <laughs> i think much Powerful. as and we are we are we are part of a of a system and you know that we didn't create that we kind of fall into but I suppose some puppets are aware of the strings <laughs> and some aren't. And, yeah. and that's really the difference because maybe you, you can't control everything, but you can be aware of things. So we do know that pharma, for example, pharma makes money from vaccines. Um, the same way that Coca-Cola makes money from drinks and whatnot. But as to whether vaccines are effective or not, I suppose that comes with experience it comes with us seeing and i think as a clinician my passion or my my putting importance on vaccines comes more from what i've seen them do rather than you know i know and i am not clueless as to whether they enrich <laughs> certain people or not absolutely yeah. i'm sure they do and, and 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 you see this often even with you know vaccines not being manufactured anymore as much as they were when they don't really benefit or you know or the diseases aren't a threat to the first world as they are to you know third world countries yeah, so you know yeah, these things definitely. are effective but because they are not affecting the correct people yeah then 
you do you get farmer feeling like then maybe this isn't lucrative enough we shouldn't be making it anymore and i think that also is another thing that highlights their effectiveness so you know they work but you know just because they're not working for the right people they might not get manufactured and 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 that's the bad side of it the good side is that we know that you know vaccines how they get made is they don't get tested on people first they use first they have to come up with a concept where you know does this vaccine work in the lab and then and then they go to preclinical trials which involves animals and then once that's passed then they get into um, clinical trials and the clinical trials they get tested first on a few people healthy adults who are voluntary gets tested in them and then if there's any problems even at any one of these stages you can it it gets canned it you know you stop it so it's regulated not only by the people who sell at the stage but it's regulated by health authorities by ethics authorities um that are affiliated to the government and to um, usually to universities. So you do, you start with preclinical studies, you get into clinical studies, a few people, if it passes that, then it gets introduced into a large number of people, which is what we saw live. I think what has been interesting about COVID is that it's something, you know, something that's gone on for years and clinicians have known about the public for the first time were aware of it with COVID, you know, yeah, uh, with COVID yeah. vaccines. But it's it's not an unusual process. It's something that's been going on for years, right? So you get the preclinical trials and then you get the clinical trials. And then, you know, once you've established the efficacy, first the safety and then the efficacy of a vaccine, then you can then introduce it. So once the vaccine has been introduced into the public, you still continue to monitor it. Yeah. So that's, I think, stage four, they call it phase four uh, of vaccine trials is where it's already in market, but even then you are still monitoring how it happens. So this, didn't start with this vaccine that happens with all vaccines and yeah. medications once they've been sold into the public you still get uh, authorities like sapra that monitor you know the effects of people because yes you've tested it in in thousands of people but you haven't tested it in everybody and they might and and it does sometimes pop up that some effects you only notice once it's been introduced to a large number of people or people in different countries or you know things like that so you that post-marketing monitoring still happens and it's always happened so those are the phases it's four phases it's pre-clinical and then it's the clinical stuff and then it's post-marketing so you know bodies like sapra the government uh, that are you know not uh, completely affiliated to the universities ethics committees those are the rule makers basically wow that's long <laughs> <laughs> but it's still amazing because as I'm sitting, and I guess this is another conversation for another day as to, you know, the things that we're fed, the things we're constantly fed, uh, because, you know, they always need to kind of, you know, fall into a specific narrative. And so you, you, you forget that actually this has sort of kind of happened before. History mm, has shown times. that mm. this is still something that happens. So, no, this is absolutely mind-blowing i'm just sitting here and i am just in awe this is probably the greatest medical lecture that i've ever <laughs> been a part of i don't know about you but it's the greatest <laughs> medical lecture that i've been a part of um so i just want to ask yeah. um 
you you speak about uh, prevention of illnesses. So you're not specific in saying mm-hmm. prevention of a virus or prevention of of a bacteria. So just asking in general, we have so many chronic illnesses that we are currently suffering from, you know, um, your HIV mm. and AIDS, your cancer. Like how far are we then? Mm. Because I mean, the, the, I think you just said, um, I'm not quoting you or anything, but the big, the golden key would be in preventing the cure rather than treating it. You know, how far are we now, you know, with regards to the big ones that, um, we are still dying from, although we've sort of neglected them because our focus mm. has been on COVID, but like how far are mm. we there, you know? So, I mean, and it, it's difficult. Obviously, you can't speak about every specific one because each one has different things. And But I'll speak about the common things. For example, because I'm a pediatrician, pediatric HIV is something that I work with often. And a prevention for that is ultimately what you want. You want an HIV-free society. You want HIV-free babies. So what, how do you do that? You ensure that mothers test for HIV when they are pregnant or that... You know, you can even take it back. Make sure that everybody in the population knows their HIV status because once you know your HIV status as an adult, you can make sure that you start taking antiretroviral therapy, right? And suppose you could even take it further back and say, you know, you use protection when you're having intercourse to prevent yourself from actually getting HIV. But say you are infected with HIV, how do you then prevent your baby getting HIV infected? Then you take ARVs when you're pregnant and right through life. And we know that that's one of the amazing interventions that have occurred. When I was studying to become a pediatrician and or, or just soon after I'd qualified as a doctor, you know, babies were born with HIV and, and, and they died and there wasn't a lot that we could do for them. But right now in my, in our HIV clinic, we have children that are living because they are on ARVs. But more importantly, we have a lot of mothers who are giving birth to babies that are HIV negative, who the mothers themselves are HIV infected. Do you understand? So that's the ultimate. You want to prevent these babies from getting infected. So you make sure that the mothers are taking their ARVs continuously, even whilst they're breastfeeding, to prevent infecting their baby. So that's one example, right? And then another example is chronic illnesses like diabetes, for example, and hypertension. How do you prevent those? Healthy lifestyle, eating right, exercising. But having said that, we do know that there are some things that are congenital, right, that you are born with, that some people have a predilection for that can't be prevented per se. So I work with infectious diseases, and I suppose the thing about infectious diseases is something has to come from somewhere, so you've got a, you know, you've got a window of trying to prevent it. Mm-hmm. But with things like cancer, for example, you often can't predict um whether somebody will have cancer or not. And and it often isn't anybody's fault. It's not about what you've done or didn't do that you get cancer. And having said that, though, there are cancers that we have been able to prevent. Like, I don't know if you guys know that we've got a program that started, I think, in 2009 in our children at school that get HPV, which is human papilloma virus vaccine. So we give it to pre-sexual girls to prevent them from getting something that we call human papilloma virus infection. What this virus has been shown to do is that when it infects um, young people, uh, people is that it can mutate the cells. It changes the cells of the cervix and causes cervix cancer. So we know that once they've had this vaccine, 
even if they are in contact with somebody who's got this virus sexually, they will not get cervical cancer. So that's one of the few cancers that we actually can prevent, right? So prevention is always better, guys. I mean, if you get cervix cancer, for example, the ultimate is that you might have to have either your cervix, you know, partially removed or your, your entire womb removed as opposed to getting a vaccine that prevents you from getting the cancer in the first place. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, it's an old adage, but prevention is always better than cure. And when, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, not for everything do we have a, a preventative thing, but for a lot of, you know, infectious diseases we do. And I think we shouldn't lose out on the opportunity to, to want to, you know, get infected first. Like some people are very much about, oh, you know, when you get things naturally, it's better than if you introduce like a vaccine or whatever. But if your child gets polio, for example, they could be maimed for life, right? That's a natural way of them getting polio. And yes, they will have antibodies to polio after that, but they could also not be able to walk, you know? Whereas if they got the polio vaccine, then they don't get you know, that lifelong thing, natural thing that comes with, with polio. Hashtag greatest <laughs> medical lecture ever. Right? right? Like yeah. greatest medical lecture ever. Because even as we're trying to, you know, shape the discussion around where we are right now, there's so many things that just make sense. And the puzzle is just being built. The puzzle is just forming itself hashtag greatest medical lecture ever i know right and so yeah i'm just mind blown are we not just mind the plug we are plugs dude, dude <laughs> we are the plug get with it green and white <laughs> green and white soapbox is where it's at and so i think as we as we move the conversation forward doc um one of the major things and why we're having this conversation mm is hesitancy mm. and the beautiful thing about the puzzle pieces coming together is this and so i think we'll ask this as a two-part kind of question so even if it's long it's okay because okay. it's hashtag greatest medical <laughs> lecture ever so we've just dealt with you know past experience so and and this is the one thing child inoculation mm -hmm. we were taken we take those who have children take their kids, you know, from infancy to the toddler stage to go and get inoculated. Mm. And so a lot of people who remain hesitant, yes, you have those who are hesitant. And I think we need to understand there are those who have taken the vaccine. There are those who are completely against it. And there are those who are hesitant. Mm, mm. And so in this space of hesitancy, one of the most pertinent things that have come across is the fact that a lot of people say, but we don't know what's in it. But similarly so, when you would take a child to go and get inoculated, mm. you don't know what's happening. I, I know for a fact that when I was a child and I went to the clinic, I don't know about you, Tia, but I'm sure, Doc, you can also attest. You just knew that you went to the clinic and but you don't know exactly what was that about. So in that space and in that space of, you know, uncertainty there's also a space of uncertainty that is brought about by the fact that a lot of people are like it's been too quick 
where did they find the time to develop all of this? Mm. Where did they find the time to create all of this? So we want to know, in the space of hesitancy and uncertainty, what would you attribute this thing of being okay to take your child to be inoculated, but being hesitant about the vaccine, number one? But certainly beyond that, are people, I, I would believe, you know, everyone is entitled to their opinion and we're not trying to sway anyone's opinion. But on top of that, would you say people are justified in being hesitant because it didn't follow the right channels, whatever that may be, because that's what people are being fed? Okay. So I think maybe I'll start with the last question first about the right channels. I think just, you know, as I've explained previously that, you know, there's certain phases that a vaccine has to go through. And this vaccine has in its development also gone through the same you know, phases. Yeah. They haven't, no f steps have been skipped, right? When it came to how it had to, you know, for, for it to get to where it needed to get. What did happen is that like SAPRA and, you know, in the States, the um, FDA, what they did is they cut out a lot of red tape that often goes with, you know, with vaccinations and that make it take a long time. And I think one of the important things was, that the study was conducted in more than one place. So what ha often happens with vaccinations is that they will be conducted in, say, in, you know, in the first world, right? And then we will, in Africa, only become part of the, get the vaccination. Oh, there's usually like a lag, like a three, four, five year, sometimes eight year lag from when a vaccine is introduced, is shown to be, is shown to be safe and efficacious. And it's even put into the vaccination program of, you know, the first world to when it actually comes to Africa or, you know, other third world countries. So mm -hmm. there's usually a lag. And one of the things that a lot of South African researchers were fighting for is to make sure that at the same time that this vaccine gets tested in first world countries, that it gets tested here as well. Because that's often the excuse and the delay, right? Is that, oh, we've only tested it in this population. It'll only come later. And the funding and all of that is also a problem. But with this vaccine, I was so proud that we actually got it to get tested here the same time that it got tested there. So that's a win. And it's a win for who? It's a win for us. It's a win for African people who otherwise would have been at the back line. And, and unfortunately, even now we still are. We have, I mean, in the States, they are already vaccinating children. And in Africa, there are countries who are struggling to get elderly to still get their first doses. So that's already not, you know, um, equitable right it's it's already not fair but that's the way that the world has been functioning in terms of vaccines so we should in fact be fighting to get more vaccines to africans who you know because of all our problems have been dying a whole lot more than people in the you know if you look at the numbers um we have been you know our people have been dying a whole lot more than people in 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 in, in developed countries so it's it's a it's just to say that I think for him, for me it's important just to say that it hasn't no corners have been cut for for this vaccine to be developed. Yes, it came as a surprise even to the to the health and research fraternity that this vaccine came so early. But it was a wonderful thing. It wasn't. It was a pleasant surprise. It was something that we all expected to take years, but it didn't take so long. Mm -hmm. And the reason that happened, one of the reasons is that they used the technology that had been there already, but had not been used in vaccines. So the mRNA vac uh, vaccine technology had only been used in 
had been only been used in oncology in cancer patients and it hadn't been used i think they were looking at starting to use it but it it had been going on for years right i mean close on 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 20 years that they'd been looking at that technology so it's not something that somebody just came up with like now what happened is that yes they thought to use it in vaccines but the technology had been there already the other thing is that so the the the, the vaccine had been uh, technology had been there vector vaccines like your johnson and johnson and your astrazeneca they use something it's called vector uh, mode so they don't use um, mrna but they use vector vaccine so they kind of piggy bank onto something so, so they take another uh, virus uh, so they use it's called adenovirus they kill off that virus and then they kind of piggy bank parts of the coronavirus onto there so they kind of make up a new poppy vaccine you know with <laughs> so you've got the adeno with bits of the of the of the coronavirus but when the cells of the body see they pick up on that part of the coronavirus and they think they've seen the coronavirus and they make memory cells as well as antibodies towards coronavirus so that when you get coronavirus your body thinks you've seen this before and it brings out those memory cells and all those antibodies again to kill this uh, virus right but so and that technology the vector technology had been used before it's not it's not new it's been used in other vaccines before so it's and, and and even speaking about children we have I was trying to count as I was coming. We've got we prevent we've got vaccines that prevent against B, uh, BCG prevents against TB, as I said, T, uh, disseminated TB in children. We've got a vaccine for polio. We've got a vaccine for diphtheria. We've got a vaccine for tetanus. We've got a vaccine for rotavirus. We've got a vaccine for um, pneumococcal vaccine. We've got a measles vaccine. So all of those get into a baby by the time they are one, right? And you, we don't give one dose. We've got booster. So the idea of a booster is on, is also something not new. It's not something that people are saying. I've seen the that funny, uh, there's a meme going around with how we're going to be zombies by the time <laughs> we receive like our seventh booster. <laughs> yeah. But actually, I mean, just the diphtheria and tetanus, for example, we get like one, two, ba- we give babies one, two, three, four. So, so they get the first one and they get three boosters you know of that for it to work because we do waning immunity is not a new thing we do know that because this is not the real virus right yes you'll make antibodies but they might not be lifelong we are we are lucky with some vaccines that we get to give it to you and we never need to give it to you again like um yellow fever for example i don't know if you guys have traveled uh to certain parts of the world particularly in africa where they've got yellow fever before you get into the country you have to be vaccinated for yellow fever and that vaccine for years we we'd have to get boosters for it every five years but recently they realized that huh actually these antibodies look like they're lasting for more than 20 years so they've actually said if you've had this vaccine you don't need to get a booster again but for the longest time you'd always had to get boosters every five years so it's not a it's not a new thing to get boosters we know we are reminding the body we are helping it and we find out about this in those very trials in those trials when you do it you'll start with one vaccine and then you see ah they build up an immunity but it dies off too soon let's try with two and they try two and then once they've seen oh with two or three it actually is a robust immunity that lasts long then that's why when you recommend it you say let's give two but with covid what happened is it was live (laughs) everything was live we got the vaccine we found out you know as we were going so 
it looks like by nahana you know now they're adding another booster now they but this is different it's it's something that happened we were you know we were all learning as we were going about this illness right it was really something novel it was something new it's not something different the fact that you know sometimes a vaccine won't work with one dose that you might need to give a booster and we've got that we've seen that we've got it with children and it's just that this is happening with everybody watching and then i suppose you know with us it's not a shock because we know this but i suppose for everybody else who's never seen this they're just thinking ah, when i know now it was one now it's two <laughs> but it happens with vaccines all you're trying to say is you know what is better how how much will give me a robust immunity right and you must know that with these vaccines we started out wanting to get a vaccine that will prevent you from infection unfortunately it doesn't but what it does do is it prevents us from getting severe disease hospitalization and death and you know i mean i can't stress enough how important that is when you know i'd rather if i got covid had a little cold and was miserable for a few days and then I'm well again and can go continue you know looking after my family and having my life rather than being hospitalized and actually dying right so it's not a small thing that it prevents against it's a big thing you'd rather you know and and yes first price would have been you get the shot you can't get infected absolutely that's what we wanted it didn't go that way but it does prevent against severe disease and death and that we know so you don't want to be the person who says yeah they say if you get it naturally you still get immunity yeah sure that's true you can but you don't know if you're going to be the one who gets it and gets severely sick and dies and why do you want to find out that way you know if <laughs> mm. <laughs> so yeah give what Thomas the doctor you know <laughs> we still well, and and, and, I, and I suppose it. yeah and that's I suppose it. you do you get that but it's just that I think the ultimate for us as clinicians is we want to save lives. Mm. It's it's about nothing else except saving lives. I would rather have people not have to be hospitalized and die, you know, to prove a point, right? You just, we are about saving lives. We're about saying this thing is likely to, is is going to do this. Can we rather take this as opposed to playing dice and saying, I might be the one who actually, and yes, you might be, you might be the one who gets it and is okay and is not severely sick, but you might also be the one who, you know, that your family lose a child, that, a, you know, a child becomes orphaned, you know, mm. we don't want that. Mm. Mm. I'm actually glad it's that you, me. sorry, doc, I'm actually yeah. glad that you like um, bringing up all these Pfizer's, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, you know, mm. because that mm. then brings me to my next question to say that, yo, I have so mm. many options, doctor, like I'm sitting at home yeah. and I hear mm. ish, this, this facility is offering um, a Johnson & Johnson, this one is offering Pfizer, then there's AstraZeneca. Where do I go? Like, how do I choose? Because I mean, we're not, we're not um, medical professionals, you know, so there's only mm. so mm. much mm. we know. And with all these mm. options, it's as, it's not like saying, okay, now I'm going to compare prices or whatever, then I know which one is yeah. best. So it is quite it is quite difficult like to to decide and then there's they say yeah. I've read things like uh, no Johnson and Johnson is strong because you only go for one shot.
shot where Pfizer you have to go for two mm-hmm. shots you know so you know mm-hmm. understanding all of these you know uh, and mm-hmm. like what to choose where to go you know you you you're a medical mm-hmm. professional so you have like good advice that you can give us and then the other thing is you know that you also spoke about this is happening live so it's it's as if we you, we learning as we go you know and it's also applicable yeah. to you as well but now it means yes, it's, yes. I'm also asking myself now with all these variants developing like what is the saying now mm-hmm. about the vaccine Might, should I just sit at home because I mean anyway what are the, the variants that are that are being discovered mm-hmm. as we go along so what does this also mm-hmm. say doctor Mm. Okay, so that's an important question. And I think and I get it often about, you know, the different vaccines. And, and I think I've just alluded to say what one uses a vector, and then the other one is an mRNA. But in study, so when they, you know, like when they do the trials, they saw with Johnson and Johnson, they got a great efficacy after one dose. So you go with one dose. That's where that comes from, right? And then when they did um, the mRNA studies, when they did one dose, you got some uh, immunity, but not as great as after two doses, right? But for 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 all of them, the Moderna. So the Moderna is similar to the Pfizer, right? But we don't, we haven't had Moderna in the country. We've only had Pfizer and um, Johnson and Johnson. Mm-hmm. So that's where then how many doses comes from, right? Is that you test it on the people, and then you see of these people that we've tested. Because uh, cause that's what it, what they do in the trial, right? Is they give some people vaccine and they give some people placebo. Placebo basically means kimiti, like asilo, right? Asilo. So you treat and then, but everybody's blinded. So mm-hmm. nobody knows what's what, right? Yeah. Except the pharmacist who gives it out. So they label it same as if it's, it's, a, it's the same thing. That's how you do it. You divide people and nobody knows what they got. And the doctors also don't know who got what. So you give it that and then these people keep coming back and then you follow them up. They're in a community that has COVID and then you keep testing of these people in the same community who now got, some people got this, some people got the real thing, some people got placebo. How many of these groups got infected? That's how you test vaccines, right? And then they come back and you see, ha, the group that actually got the vaccine and we didn't even know it now as we're testing the results, you know, 95% 95% of them didn't get sick. These ones, just about all of them got sick. The ones that got meat, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how you know. That's how you test the efficacy of a vaccine. Because in a, in a, so you're saying in a controlled environment where people, everything is the same, the only difference is that one got Medzi, one got vaccine. And then you see that these people are protected, right? And then also, then the, they looked at those people that got infected so that number small number in the group that got vac- that got vaccinated when they did get infected they didn't end up in hospital they didn't die this group lots of them got that so that's how it gets tested right that's how you know what's what so with that understanding you have to understand that this doesn't mean that this thing is 100% right mm-hmm. that's why you never get we always are giving out figures that you know especially for infection, we know that some people will get infected. When we compare J&J and the Pfizer vaccine, we saw that a lot more people with Pfizer didn't get infected, get an infection. So it prevented infection. It wasn't a lot of people, right? But there were a lot more than compared to J&J. So J&J didn't do so well with infection. 
as well as Pfizer. But Pfizer also didn't do so great because we know even now in our country, we can see it. There's people who've gotten Pfizer, but they still get infected. But both of them, when it came to hospitalization, severe disease and death, they did equally well. So that's why I always advise people when they say Johnson & Johnson or Pfizer, I'm like, it really doesn't matter because I think they both will present against, prevent against severe disease and death in similar ways, right? Where they differ slightly is that, you know, Pfizer is better at preventing infection than Johnson & Johnson, but also not that much. But there is, I mean, I we've had instances even in families that we've seen of somebody who's had Pfizer and another family member gets infected and everybody else gets infected except that one person who got Pfizer, okay? Not even infected, yeah. So we've seen that. So, but that does, you know, but we know that that doesn't hold for everybody, right? There are people who even after vaccination will get infected, but what they want, what won't happen to them is that they won't get severe disease. And even if they do land up in hospital, they are unlikely to die, right? They are unlikely to need, you know, ventilation and, and, and die. So ultimately the thing is, you know, for prevention of severe disease and death, they, they are equally the same, right? Mm -hmm. And I, Whichever one you get. I suppose J&J would be nice in areas that are far flung yeah. where it's hard to go back, mm -hmm. you know, for a second dose. In those regions, you'd say, you know, rather, you know, go for J&J because then it's a one dose and it's done, right? But you're not preventing those, helping those people any less than, you know, the people that are getting the 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 uh, the Pfizer vaccine, so the variants, yeah, I mean, so so there are ongoing studies. So the 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 one thing about all these vaccines that's the same is that they work. So you obviously when you are presenting, when you are making a vaccine, you want to take a part of the virus that will be presented to the cell, right? That's you know that the cell of the body will recognize and say ah i see this this is covid vaccine and then they make antibodies against that so they've all been using what we call a spike protein so that's a spike protein on the on the virus but now there's a lot of studies and the mutations these variants have all been changes in that spike vaccine in the spike protein right so which is a bummer right because you know it means that when they are become less effective it'll be all these vaccines so now already we are in the research world they're being called first generation vaccines because we know we probably do need to come up with vaccines that look at a different part of the virus other than the spike uh a spike protein right because then if you do that you probably will evade these mutations so your vaccine will work anyway even if it mutates in that area but it is it's novel this is what happens when you've got a, vac a virus that's new is that you learn as you go so these these variants will keep coming mm. because vaccines viruses do that in life they this is how they adapt they change like when he gets to a different place and i'm like how do i survive here i need to change something of mine yeah they do viruses are constantly mutating that's how they survive because they can't survive outside of humans. Né? That's the thing about a virus. It needs people to get into. So if, you know, you're making it hard to get into mm -hmm. them, they're going to keep changing to try and be able to get into you. This is what the, the key, very resistant. This is what they do. This is what viruses do. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's that. The variants are going to keep coming. So we're hoping. I mean, we. Uh, somebody was saying that one of the epidemiologists was saying, they were asking her, so what do you think in the future is going to happen with this um, virus? Is it going to be endemic? Endemic means 
like the cold right mm-hmm. we know that every year we get flu for yeah. example it's endemic it's there all the time it just you know takes it comes at certain times of so it might become endemic but she was saying uh prof cohen was saying i'm so skeptical i don't want to predict anything about covid anymore because the minute i start to predict something else happened yeah. i mean these variants we couldn't have anticipated that it would happen so soon but they did right so yeah, I think less we make predictions <laughs> yeah. with this virus, the better. <laughs> the better. But yeah. we, we do. The thing is, and, 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 and that doesn't take away, though, from the fact that we know what we do know so far to help us is that these these vaccines are at least working to prevent us from getting severe disease and death. And, and it is, like you said in your intro, it is a glimmer of hope mm. for us now that we have, yeah, to try and save as many lives as possible. Hashtag greatest medical lecture ever. ever. <laughs> I, I will not stop saying that because as I am sitting and listening and I'm just in awe, like mm-hmm. everything that I've read, everything that I've heard, every message that's ever been sent, it's just like, y'all don't know nothing. Y'all don't know nothing. Come to the green and white soapbox if you want to know something because i am just mind blown mind blown and i think uh just before you know your next question t and before we get to a uh, 72nd myth buster you know i i i just have a follow-up on that based on what doc said in terms of this notion of placebos and all mm-hmm. of that the side effect mm-hmm. aspect of things mm-hmm. Because you say some people who, in a specific test, some people who got the placebo would have gotten sick or some might not have and so on and so forth. Is there a massive mental health or mental health slash mental block that we impose upon ourselves as people from a point of, you know, not being informed in so far as you know um if you do go get vaccinated and they'll tell you that you've got this side effect this or that these are the side effects but then because you got vaccinated and because someone said this all of a sudden you're like oh my goodness this vaccine is not working oh my goodness i'm dying so on and so forth so would you say that yes granted that there are side effects with any medication so on and so forth are some of the side effects self-imposed? Do we self-impose <laughs> them as people just based on everything that we're fed and, you know? Look, I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't want to minimize or trivialize what people feel, right? You feel what you feel. And we know that there are side effects to this vaccine and many other vaccines. I mean, moms who take babies for their immunizations will tell you that I know the day of the vaccine, you know, and the following day, baby's a bit irritable, can be a little bit hot, you know, and whatever. We know this is the body now's immune system saying, hey, I saw something and I'm acting up, right? So this is you building up their immunity. So it's they're not uncommon. They happen. And, and that people feel them, it's fine. But I, you know, in the same way that that baby, when the mom comes, will say, just give a little panado and watch. They'll be fine in a day or two. And they are. We do the same for adults. When they feel the headache, when they feel the whatever, we say, take this and then you'll be fine. 
So, you know, there's mitigation. You can do something about the the side effects. Yeah. They're not the end all and be all. And, you know, we don't stop taking vaccine just because, oh, I might have a little bit of a um, whatever, you know, a fever, fatigue, a headache after uh, taking vaccine. There are also um, some more serious side effects. But even with those, we have, you know, we've got treatment for them. We know what to do with them. And, and, and like I said, the monitoring continues as it always has with vaccines. So we wouldn't know about the side effects if we weren't monitoring for them. We know about them because even through the, the study phases, as the people were getting vaccinated and we saw these, we documented them and we followed them up. So I know, I mean, I, I think there's a, I often say the hesitancy comes from a mistrust of the system, right? But if you realize that the same system that made the vaccines is the same system that said, these are the side effects is because they care to look for the problems and to mitigate against them. So I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> the man, trust the man. and <laughs> But <laughs> the reality is there is a system in place. And we even with with, PD, uh, with the children immunizations, we've got bodies that are continually looking for problems. with. So whenever even a child now gets vaccinated and then they have a problem afterwards, clinicians will report it and this body will investigate and follow up. So this thing that's happening with COVID is not new. We've always been following up post-immunizations, any problems that happen, and we continue to do it with COVID. So if there's a death that gets reported of somebody who got vaccinated, we follow that up, they get an autopsy, and then we realize, oh, shame, it's such a coincidence. I mean, there could be people who die. They are the people who die from their cancer or from their whatever because they were recently, after they were recently uh, vaccinated. There is a time period causality. There's a time period association, but it, it doesn't imply causality. So just because I got this, I ate an apple, and then uh, I later died, does not mean that the apple is the reason I died. So you have to check the death. You have to investigate the death and say, ah, it just so happened that on this day, this person also had whatever when you find out your autopsy. But, it, you know, it's it's that. It's important to understand that that people don't suddenly stop having heart attacks just because there's vaccinations. People don't necessarily stop dying from their cancers. People don't necessarily, you know, all those other things are still continuing. And in these bodies, what they do is they also look at the background of, of these conditions. So they look in the age group of whatever to whatever. What is the death rate of heart attacks has it suddenly gone up now with the vaccines yes or no so that's continuing that continually happens as well so we don't just you know i know it's sensational to say mang mang got a vaccine last week and then this week they die exactly exactly but (laughs) people die from many things so it's important and those gets deaths do get investigated Mm, but uh, autopsies are done we follow up results and unfortunately in a time when you're vaccinating so many people and covid is still rife you also get people who are infected with covid and die from covid soon after vaccination because they were probably sitting and thinking i'll watch it i'll watch it and then they feel a bit sick and they're like you know and unfortunately it's vaccines don't work like that they are prevention you should do it before you get infected 
Speaking of that, doctor, <laughs> sorry, Chloe, yes. I'm going to interrupt you again now. You said, <laughs> obviously, it's prevention, but you get those people barring now they really say, Ki COVID, ne? Uh, yo, 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 I really must go vaccinate now because, so what, how long mm, must mm. I wait now? So it's like, Gula, sirs, and I don't want this to happen again. Now I've learned the hard way, unfortunately. Okay. So how long do yes. I wait before yes. I then go for my vaccination? So so we say a month so we say a month after you were last so after you've gotten out of your isolation mm-hmm. period so you wait at least a month and then in some studies they saw that actually if you wait a bit longer like up to three months your immunity might actually be better but the minimum is a month so at least one month after your isolation period when you were sick with COVID, you can go vaccinate thanks doctor mm. can we just say this one last time everyone hashtag <laughs> Greatest <laughs> medical lecture ever, ever. <laughs> like ever, ever. And you know, as we're wrapping up, um, so there's a challenge uh, that we're about to undertake. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're gonna put seventy seconds okay. on the clock. All right. And then in <laughs> no those seventy up. seconds, doc, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna give us seven. You're gonna. Also, oh, I must come up with a myth. Yeah, well, yes, a myth okay. that you can. So you, it would be. This is the myth. Here's the fact. This is the myth. Here's the fact. The aim is seven in 70 seconds. Um, so that's why 10 seconds of myth and busting the myth. And if you fail to do that, then Tsiru uh, has to buy me McDonald's. So, so oh, wow. she doesn't want to part with her money. Uh, okay, so that's what's going to happen. I must think of all the all myths All my money that I've is on now. you, doctor. Yes. <laughs> 70 seconds. We're counting you down. Five, Yo. four, three, two, one. Let's go. Okay. So first myth about COVID is that uh, corners have been cut. You know, this vaccine came too quickly and, you know, there's something wrong. Things didn't happen right. Bzz, that's not the <laughs> truth. The truth is this vaccine followed the exact same phases of vaccine trials like all vaccines normally do suppose the difference is that yes we got it soon but that's a plus and not a minus okay second myth second myth is that uh, oh that uh, when you get uh, get vaccinated with COVID, that um, it causes erectile dysfunction that is not true um that that has been looked at in particular men who have been vaccinated have been followed up and uh, we haven't seen uh, an increase in erectile dysfunction due to the vaccine so erectile dysfunction will still happen in that population for other reasons but not as a result of the vaccine another myth uh, <laughs> okay um that, what uh, that covid yeah. White people? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I suppose in the beginning people used to say COVID doesn't exist, doesn't kill black people, and it only kills white people. Is that time? That's time, but you can finish the thought. It's still okay. You can still finish the I'm thought. Sorry, it's <laughs> doctor, doctor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I had so many myths. <laughs> No, it's okay. We will definitely, we will definitely, definitely deal with those yeah. uh, in a follow up because I don't like to predict mm-hmm. a whole lot of things. But this is something that I will predict that we definitely need to have a hashtag greatest medical lecture ever part two. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, that there's just so much 
with this but so much even for us as a black community in terms of healthcare mm. as a whole that we still need to get to and who better to hear it from than Dr. Fab herself. <laughs> wow. yeah. Our very own. own. Our <laughs> very own. Our own. Our very own Dr. Fab. But thank you so, so much, Doc. This has been nothing short of amazing. This has been nothing short of phenomenal. And we're just so, so, so grateful for this. And we continue to send you all the love, the light, and the strength that we can muster lifting all of you up as healthcare professionals because you are all keeping us afloat. You have sacrificed so much. You have sacrificed your time, your livelihood. And so if we ever doubt that y'all were called, now more than ever we understand and know that you were called and we just send you all positive vibes your way. Mm, thank you so much we really appreciate it doctor we really really do and we've gained so much we've gained so much honestly we're not exaggerating a lot of the stuff we're asking are not necessarily from people out there but it's also some of the things we're also thinking you know so thank you for bringing that um that you know the fact that we can now understand you know and we're going into this understanding and we're not just listening yeah. to whatever's out there we, we hear things from people who are not even in the profession you know so we are really really grateful for for all the knowledge that you've imparted on us today thank you so very much we hope that this is definitely not the last that we hear of you and we hope that going forward we can you know carry on with other discussions and you know keep educating our people our youth um and just yeah being great thank you so much i appreciate the time that you've afforded me to speak about this i'm very passionate about this but i think ultimately i'm you know i'm passionate about saving people's lives and i think this is one way of doing it we've got one thing to help us and we should all be taking up the opportunity to use it Thank you so, so much, Doc. Thank you so much, Tornado T. Thank you, everybody. It has been amazing. And when you finally listen to this, please drop your comments, share your thoughts, share with everyone, and let us keep the conversation going. Remember, the aim is but one, to be seen and to be heard so from us to you from the green and white soapbox we have to say stay kind and stay loving and be kind to one another Tohi signing out bye y'all we love you keep well awesome bye.